time in, in Africa. God has called him there. His heart is there. His, his wife, Barbara, wasn't able to be with him this morning. But um, two years ago, we had the opportunity to, three years ago now, to be able to connect it when we did some leadership training in, in uh, Yamasukuro. And uh, Jim was part of that, and they were so gracious. He's, he's fluent in two different languages besides tongues. He's fluent in, in English and, uh, and French. So he is an interpreter. He's, he's not, he, so I thought maybe he'd give his message today in French and see how many of y'all can get it. But I am honored to be able to introduce him today. He, was, he, he helped bring us to Africa. And you know what? When I say us, it's all of us. We all went last year when, when, we sent, when you guys sent us. So I want to thank you for that. Amen. And there is an opportunity that I've been asked to be able to go back maybe next August. And I would like for you guys to go. So it's going to be up to you. You're going to have to save, save your money. You're going to have to do some things to be able to get there. Amen. But if that's you, we're going to begin to step into that. But I want to introduce to you Jim Lassiter. And he is, he, we, he brought us to Africa. Now we're bringing Africa to us. That's what he said earlier. Let's give him a great big warm Woodward welcome. Welcome. Amen. Well, it's exciting to be here today. And uh, indeed, we want to thank you for letting Pastor Eric and Shelley come to be with us in Africa. And if it's all right, I'm going to bring some of Africa here today. Would that be all right? Amen. So hear that word very carefully. I'm going to tell you what we believe and do in Africa out of the Word of God. If you haven't seen it or not sure about it, you know, study it. Read it. Find out for yourself. And, uh, and I hope you will be blessed by what I'm going to share uh, today. Uh, let me just introduce myself a little bit. I'm, I'm a native-born Oklahoma, born in Oklahoma City. I was raised in a Southern Baptist uh, pastor's family, so I was, uh, before I was born, I was a Christian, or I was in church, I mean. And uh, we moved around us some, lived in Tampa, Florida for a while, and Gary, Indiana, and, uh, and uh, went to the University of Oklahoma. And I watched the game last night. It, it has some impact on my sermon, so hang loose. Um, then Barbara and I, my wife Barbara was born in Jerusalem, Israel, and before it was Israel, and so she actually could get Israeli citizenship, and uh, her parents were 48 years over there as, as missionaries. She grew up over there, and then she came to the University of Oklahoma. And uh, see, her granddad was controller of the school at one time. Do you know there's a street in Norman called Lindsay Street? That's named after my wife's family. Her maiden name is Barbara, it's Barbara Lindsay. And her grandfather was controller of the University of Oklahoma for a while, and that's who that, uh, that street is named after. So we go along, and th- that one's not spelled right. That one's spelled right. That one's spelled wrong, you know, sort of thing. And uh, uh, went, uh, first of all, as missionaries, we went to seminary in Fort Worth and went as missionaries to Vietnam first. And then the communists took over on April, April 30th of 1975. We evacuated on April 1st of 1975. And then we were reassigned to a French-speaking country, spent some time in France, and, and uh, wound up in Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, West Africa, where God has done some powerful and, and wonderful things. Uh, how many of you like to be losers? Could I see your hand if, if you enjoy losing? 
Not everybody. Okay. How many of you like to be winners? All right. Well, I want to speak to you today from the Word of God about going from being born losers to born again winners. Um, I believe that when we were born, all of us, we were born in a supernatural element. You know, I believe everybody's born speaking in tongues. You understand what I'm saying? You ever hear a baby? All right. And then we drum that out of them only to have to bring it back into them somewhere down the road. All right. Uh, I have a nephew who uh, to, was talking to his mother one time. and She said, Mom, why do we say amen at the end of every prayer? She said, is that like pushing send on an email? I thought, all right, <laughs> that works, you know. There are children called indigo children, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, that display a very special, spiritual, supernatural sense about them. And for years, people didn't know what to do. They just really uh, put them down and, oh, that's a bunch of nonsense and would, would be against them. And finally, they began to say, you know, maybe something's going on here. I believe we're a lot more spiritually sensitive growing up than we think we are. But if you grow up in America, we'll get that out of you within 10, 15 years. And we'll introduce you to materialism and worldliness and, and make you think as an American it's all up to you. And uh, that happens all around the world. And then, of course, we have another problem. Back at creation in the Garden of Eden... We were introduced, humanity was introduced to, the, to a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we ran into Satan. And Satan lied to Eve and said, look, if you'll eat of this fruit, you'll be like God and your eyes will be opened. That happens to be true. But it's what he didn't say. And that way you'll disobey God, etc., etc. They were already like God, weren't they? They were created from God. What was going to happen is to make them less like God. And she fell for that, and so sin, through Satan, came into the world. Can we get this straight just at the beginning? God is good, Amen. and Satan is bad. Amen. Now, in our churches many times, we get that mixed up. And we blame God for stuff that Satan's doing, and we give credit to Satan for stuff that God's doing, and it's a mess. So let's just from day one, as we go through this word today, agree that God is good all the time. Yeah. Satan is bad all the time. All right? I want us to talk to us about moving from born again, from born losers. You understand, we're born losers, all of us. Because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, every single one of us is born into this world with a sentence of death, eternal death. If you do nothing but get born and die, you go to be with Satan. What a wonderful life, all right? Unless you change that along the way, you're predestined to be with him. That's why people who are in the world and live in sin 
have a great time living in sin and enjoying the things of Satan. That's who they are. I'm sure in this church I could get testimonies of people who lived in sin for years and didn't know there was a choice and, and God uh, delivered them and, and, and healed them. But we want to talk about not just how to avoid Satan. I want to talk to us about how we overcome Satan. You know, watching OU football was a lot of fun this season until last night. You know, you want to say, hey, you didn't see the tapes. You didn't watch Missouri. What's the deal here? See? And we can go through our lives sometimes on a phony thing and get hit. We say, hey, what is this? In order to become winners and to be winners, there's three things you've got to do. See, uh, I don't think I have to convince this church that there's a war on. Do I? Do we aware of that? You know, someone once said this. The entire Bible, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, is the story of violent conflict between two unalterably opposed kingdoms. One is ruled over by my Lord Jesus Christ, and the other by his adversary, the devil. Every detail of my life, every detail, there are no exceptions, falls within the function and operation of these two kingdoms. The decisions I make will advance one at the expense of the other. Did you hear that? Everything we do is going to advance one kingdom and put the other one down or the other way around. You may like to live in gray, but God doesn't know what that means. He is black and white. He is yes and no. He is good and evil. He is right and wrong. And that's where we live. By the way, that's a good word. I hope you don't hear negative there. Because God is completely good. And completely holy. And completely supernatural. He knows all. Turn with me, if you would, to the sixth chapter of Ephesians. I think they may have it up on here before long. Step one is know your enemy. Now, before we go into this, we have to do a, a little preliminary stuff. How many of you believe in angels? Do they exist? Are they real? Okay. Now, what do we know about angels? Just, if you have something, just throw it out. What do you know about angels? They are messengers of God. They are ministering spirits. How many, wait, what? The war, they fight. They're protectors. How many places can an angel be at one time? Best we know about one place. Now they can get around like crazy, but only one place at a time is best we know. Can you talk to angels? Huh? If you talk and they hear you, can they talk to you? Huh? Is that possible? Can you see angels? Mary, the Annunciation of the birth of Jesus, and many other times in the Bible, and other times that people will talk about. Now, I'm going to tell you a story here that you can read in Revelation 12, but for lack of time, we're not going to go through it. It's a whole series in itself. 
There was a time in heaven when there was a war. Some of you know this story. It's when this war started that we just read about. And Satan tried to take over. He didn't like being the praise leader in heaven. Do you know praise leaders have a hard time not being in charge? In churches that can happen. So you pray for your praise leaders. I'm serious. They're not trying to be anything. But I'm telling you, there are demons, uh, uh, you know, dispatched. Look, if you destroy praise and worship, you've destroyed the whole thing, haven't you? All right? So you pray for your praise leaders. You don't let them just get by, I mean, in a sense, not have your support. All right? And that, Satan was the praise leader in heaven, you know, and he tried to take over and he got kicked out. Are you with me so far? I'm not telling you anything I hope you don't know. And where did he go? Huh? He came to earth. It says so. It says, the heavens were rejoicing, but woe to the earth. This is biblical. I'm quoting you right now because he has come now and he's here. And uh, is he by himself? How many has he got with him? A bunch. We read somewhere a third of the heavenly host. I always say enough to keep the world in bondage. You know? Now what kind of being are we talking about? Who is this? An angel. We're talking about angels. Are we not? Was Lucifer an angel? The third that threw it. They were all angels, right? All right? Where did angels come from? God created them, didn't he? Are they human beings? No, they're not. Are we higher or lower on the creation scale than angels? Okay? It says at one time we were made a little lower than angels, Jesus, when he came. So I believe in some ways we're just a little lower than the angels until we accept Christ, and then we don't become equal, we go above them, because we're going to judge the angels, aren't we? I call a new species called Christian. Now, one of the biggest problems we have is we don't know who we are. We do not know who we are. We're going to get to that. But let's talk about knowing the enemy. Okay, Ephesians 6. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the workers, for, uh, world forces of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Finally, now what is he saying? He says, look, I've been giving you all this instruction to, to you. This is Paul writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul is in prison writing this church, this letter. And this letter was written not just as, you know, it became part of the Bible. It wasn't initially part of the Bible, you understand? It was a letter to a church that we are blessed to have as a part of the Bible to gain from it too because this is not just a letter, it's the Word of God. It's the inspired Word that stays forever. And so whatever blessed the Ephesians, we get too. He says, I've talked to you about be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now this word be strong, he's not just saying, that'd be nice if you guys would, you know, do what I say. This is a command. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And look at those words, strong in the strength of his might. You suppose being strong in the strength of God's might might be just powerful? That word strong, the first one is the word enduomeo, which means from which we get the word dynamite. So it's like, be dynamite in the Lord in the strength of His might. His might, not your might. His might. 
You say, I don't know if I can conquer Satan. You can't. Forget it. But he can. That's why he says, don't do this in your own strength. Don't even start there. You're dead meat. You get strong, get the dynamite of God through getting the strength of the might of God. You know, God created all power. Nuclear energy is just a second thought to him. Everything that works, you know, nuclear energy is based on atoms. We all got atoms in us, and some of them are more unstable, and then you put them in the right thing, they make a lot of power. Do a lot of damage, could do a lot of good. But God's above all of that. God's all powerful. That's a lot of power. That's the kind of power we have available to us. Okay? Uh, Paul said in a letter to the Philippians, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Do you have any idea what it would make a difference? A difference to make if we all walked out of day? I can do anything. I can do everything. You just watch out. Where's Satan? I want to pick a fight. Do you understand how that would happen? What difference that would make? We need to know who we are. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Why? So that you will be able to stand. I'm standing. Right, sure you are. You know? I was driving out here. I have a lot of relatives in western Oklahoma. And I forgot in this part of the country the wind comes from the south. You know? And I have this little trekker I'm driving, and I'm just trying to keep the thing on the road. And the, the uh, speed control wouldn't hold it at 75, not against that south wind. You know, I can get out and can't hardly open the door. I'd forgotten all about that until I drove out and I saw red dirt again. My dad always, father-in-law, I mean, always talked about the red dirt of Oklahoma. Well, you've got to be in the western part to fully appreciate red dirt, you know. You can get dirt in eastern, it doesn't stick, it doesn't look red. But out here, you're going to be a mess, you know. So that you may be able to stand, not just stand, but stand firm. Not just stand firm, but stand firm against them. And then this word against shows up. Five times in one verse. Do you suppose, is there the possibility that there is something against which we should stand? Yeah. First of all, against the schemes of the devil. Let's just say one thing, first of all. It is not possible to stand without putting on the full armor of God. All right? Did you know that Satan has a plan for your life? Now, Ephesians 2 says that before we were born, God decided who we were supposed to be. But Satan has a plan for your life, too. That's what a scheme is. Do you think Satan has any idea where our weaknesses are? Well, since he caused them, he probably has a pretty good idea. You know? There are things I've never had a problem with with uh, drinking. So I can, walk, I can walk into a bar, or a liquor store, no big deal. But I've had problems with other things. You better not let me get near those. All right? I'm strong in the Lord, but in a given situation with the wrong attitude, the wrong spirit, I can be susceptible. All right? And Satan has a plan for your life. He's very clear. It says Satan came to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Kill. He wants to kill you. Another part of Revelation 12 says he came to get Jesus and he tried to get him at birth. But he was whisked away to Egypt and so he missed him. 
And then he missed him on the cross. And it says he became really angry and decided he was going to go after all of those who call themselves by Jesus' name. Do you have an idea who that might be? Okay? Well, I'm not bothered by Satan. Get saved and you will be. Now, you think that's a negative word? That's not. If you're lost, you're not a good position. Being lost means you've lost, loser. It is not that you've won and you can just ignore Satan. You don't have to play Satan if you're lost. He already owns you. You're on the way to hell. Now, what does that say? It says Satan doesn't have to spend his energy, all of his angels, attacking lost people. He's got them. So who is he after? He's after us. He's after us. Trust me, Satan wants to kill you, your family, your children. He wants to kill you. He is mad at Jesus, and he's mad at anyone who has Jesus in him. You say, well, but Jesus conquered all that. Only if you let him. The death on the cross is good and helpful to you only if you put yourself in it. He died for everyone. But if you don't receive him, you will go to hell. You will receive none of the benefits he has. And the sacrifice you paid will mean nothing for you. But listen, that's true of everything else God has. God has blessings and God has curses. The curses are on the world right now, but the blessings are ours if. God is an if God. He's always been that way. You know why he's that way? Because he's God. He thinks he can do anything he wants to. Now, he doesn't think it's a big deal to put it if there because what he has to give you, friends, are something outstanding. If you obey my word, then... So, we're dealing not with open, visible war, but with invisible deception. Another thing out of Revelation 12, you'll see it says, Satan who deceives the whole world. How many of us are in the whole world? Anybody here? We're all there. The biggest thing Satan uses against us is deception. Lies. Not truth. Believing something that is true, that is not true, is a lie. Okay? I was counseling with someone one time, and we were working through some things. I just listened to, to this person. They said, well, something, something. I said, wait a minute. What did you just say? They said, well, I believe this. He said, you believe that? Yeah. That's a lie. What? That's a lie. The person was deceived do you like being deceived do you like people suddenly finding out something about you you don't know about you and so they're laughing and you're wondering what's going on now get this phrase it's simple but you got to hear it the deceived person doesn't know they're deceived that's why they're deceived so i can't say to you Shelly, tell me what you're being deceived about. I don't know. If I knew that, I wouldn't be deceived, was I? Stand firm, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. Let me tell you how most Christians read that. We wrestle against flesh and blood, not against rulers and so forth in visible realms. Have you ever in your life had any problems with other people? 
Are any of you having any problems with other people now? Can it get serious? This word wrestle here is the word wrestle. It says literally a contest between two till one hurls the other down and holds him down. You ever felt pinned down by somebody? You ever felt like somebody's trying to pin you down? Now what does it just say though? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now hear this. No person has ever caused you any problems. Why can we forgive? Why did Jesus forgive on the cross? Father, forgive them. Why? For they know not what they do. My wife has a great teaching on that. Oh, but he didn't. No. He was being caused to do that. See, our human pride, oh, nobody made me do a bike why don't you blame the devil? That's who's doing it. Why take credit for stupid sin? Yes, you and I make the choice. All right? I'm going to do something with sin because I get a little fun out of it. Of course, I pay a lot afterwards, but nevertheless, the fun, you know? Sin is fun. Let's just get that out for a season. Sin wouldn't have any power if it weren't fun. And you know how much we're like, fun, right? We're Americans, yes. You know what our Declaration of Independence says? We are endowed by certain inalienable rights. That among these are what? What's life, liberty, and what? Listen, nobody knows how to pursue happiness like Americans. Okay? Every one of us is under that uh, anointing. Well, Satan took care of life so that the most dangerous place a person can be is in a mother's womb. If you can make it out, then you can start living. But you may not make it out, you see. Then liberty. Oh, we're free, aren't we? Yes, sir, we're free. I'm not sure we can afford it after next year. Not that we could afford it this year. You know, whatever. But we are free. We are known as a free country. If you think you're not free, come with me. I'll take you anywhere in the world except this country, and you'll find out what freedom is about. I've often thought every American ought to require to spend six months of his life Anywhere out of America, you'll have a whole new respect for this country. And why do we have life and liberty? To pursue happiness, baby. Now listen, the pursuit of happiness is the very definition of hedonism. It is the playboy philosophy. If it feels good, do it. Do you find anything in that that may be a tad contrary to the will of God? See? But that's, that's what he's at. It's not obvious to us that no human being has ever hurt us, right? I mean, we think of people, but they didn't know what they were doing. When you start going after someone in anger, you probably don't know what you're doing. Anger does not work the will of God. I had to learn that growing up, raised four children, and occasionally they made me angry. And I finally realized one brilliant day that if I reacted to them in anger, I was doing nothing to help them. I mean, I finally woke up and said, if I'm really mad, stop. Delay this some way and get right. Then come and deal with the issue. People don't, when you finally get this point, you can stop trying to worry about what anyone does. Realize that if it's evil or wrong, 
they need to be helped more than you who probably is receiving the brunt of their evil and wrong. Okay? But most of it, they're deceived is the whole point. If you could wake them up and get them to think, they wouldn't do it anyway. We're not a flesh and blood, but we are against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces in heavenly places. Whoa! That sounds big to me. Like a lot of people that we are against. Well, I'm not against them. They're against you. I suggest you start getting against them. You know? How many games, unless the leather team has a lousy offense, are won by the defense? You know, a guy may trip out and actually get a ball and take it to the, to the touchdown, but the defensive team's not out there to win the game. They're out there to what? Prevent the other team from winning the game. Yeah. All right? If you live on the defensive, guess what? You will not win. And if Satan comes and shoves us every which way that he wants to go, if we give in to someone thinking they're taking us out, however we react to whatever is going on in our life will determine whether we win or lose. So know your enemy. They are powerful. Just because they're invisible doesn't mean they're not powerful. In fact, some of those powerful... I can't see the south wind in this part of the country, but I know it's there. I can hardly open my car door because of it. World forces. Satan has global control of darkness. And what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. So wherever God isn't, Satan is. And this world has a lot of darkness in it. We talk about people being lost. Have you ever been lost? I mean, just didn't know. What's the, deal of, what's the definition of a lost person? Don't know where he is and don't know where he's going. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what's going on. Listen, I've never seen people that fulfill that definition more than people in the world today. I ain't got the foggiest idea where they are, much less know where they're going. You try to talk to them about life and you think, what in the world are you thinking? Darkness is ignorance. Ignorance is not bliss, brothers and sisters. Not knowing the truth is not going to help you. Miserable, deceived, and hopeless. That's who, is, who are people who are lost. And Woodward probably has a few. Everywhere else they do. They don't know Jesus. They're lost. And believe me, they're lost. You know, we go through a lot of trauma. You talked about the prayer request today. And, but God is so real, isn't he? So as we go through stuff, that everybody goes through. We live in an evil world. We're not being necessarily singled out for a, a, an attack or anything. It's just we live in the same world everybody else does, and these things happen. All right? But I've gone through some of this stuff, and I said, I don't know how a lost person can handle something like this. What in the world? Man, I'm a pastor, okay? I've done funerals for lost people. I don't like to do funerals for lost people. You know? There's no hope. These are some things we're against. We need to know the enemy to do effective warfare. A man wrote one time, a Chinese guy, who wrote a book called The Art of War that all armies use today. Wrote hundreds of years ago because the guy somehow got the con concept of how to succeed and have victory. Listen to this. If you know the enemy and you know yourself, 
you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Isn't that powerful? Simple. Know the enemy. We're not fighting a cold war, brothers and sisters. This is a hot war. This is a real war. We weren't, we're not playing games. We're not playing war games. We are not an occupation army sitting and waiting for God to come back. This is a hot war, and the world is losing. And we need to know our enemy. General George Patton, when he conquered Rommel one time, was overlooking this field of defeat. And he says, Rommel, you so-and-so, I read your book. Here's a guy that not only had to be videoed in his game place, he wrote the book on how to do it. And so Patton just read, okay, let's go do the opposite, and he won. Have we got a game book? Do we have any knowledge of how the enemy operates at all? You know? But you know what? If you don't know what's in it, it won't do you a bit of good. Will not do you a bit of good. Here's a story from Africa. A guy named Bienvenu, which means French of all things, welcome. He was a powerful sorcerer. He was trained in the country of Benin, which is right next to Nigeria. It is known in the world as the seat of sorcery. True sorcerers are always from Benin. Do you know who the Haitians are? They're Beninois. Haitians Haiti was settled by people from Benin. You wonder why they have problems? All right? So this guy was saved. All right? Marvelous salvation. So we're going to take him and let him tell his testimony. All right? Now you've got to understand in Africa, sorcery is real. People pay, pay people to do stuff and it happens. So they set up a center there in Yopagon where the church is and going to have this little rally and let this former sorcerer speak because people know when he got up there and started saying his testimony, and people started saying, that's the guy that did it to me. And so many people began to recognize that they had had the, he had put spells on them because other people had paid him. They had to get him and take him in jail and lock him up to protect him. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real, friends. Secondly, know yourself. Who are we? Let's go into Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm. Is he got a repetition thing going here? Is there an echo in this room? Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, because of what we just got through saying, you better put it on. It says, take up the full armor of God. Now, what does that mean? Number one, it says, listen to this, God doesn't dress you in this. You must dress you in this. He provides it. It's God's armor, but it's for you to put it on. It's not going to be done for you. And armor is designed so that when you have it on, nothing vital is exposed, see. And why are we to do it? So we may be able to stand firm and to resist. You know, resist is more than just standing. It's more than just standing firm. It's moving the other direction. That we may be able to resist, but it's a passive action. 
It's not an offensive act. It's a defensive action, isn't it? Resisting. It's to keep something from happening to you, not to cause something to happen to someone else. In the evil day. When's the evil day? How about any time Satan chooses to get at you? It's an evil day. I mean, he didn't have to do this. Let's just clear up something. <laughs> Flip Wilson said a long time ago, Satan made me do it. You ever hear that, Satan? Let me trust you. Let me help you out. Satan has never, you've never married into Satan. Now, Satan took Jesus on face to face. But all we're facing is little empty demons. Why? It's all it takes, friends. You know? Satan doesn't mess with us. He doesn't have to mess with us. We're too susceptible. He's got millions of other people to mess with us, angels. And so, there you are. And so, when something happens, how does something happen? Well, I'll tell you what. You go out and sin, something will happen. There's one way. Well, maybe I'm not sinning, you know. Well, maybe there's other reasons that go on, and you, you wind up in an evil day. We live in an evil world. Have you been able to discover that yet? I mean, the fact that you live in this world, that you're alive at all, means you're living around a bunch of evil. You think you're immune to it? It's never going to hit you? I got news for you. You know, Satan's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? And he's going to keep trying. He's going to keep trying. And uh, so that, that temptation, that assault, a trauma... Could come and having done everything to stand firm, you, all that is possible to do. We need to do everything that's necessary to stand firm. And uh, it could be a prolonged battle. Maybe you don't get victory at first round. It'll demand maybe all that you have within you. But listen to this only winners keep standing. Only winners keep standing. Be unmovable, victorious. Now listen, do you understand that if you're in a marine platoon and you're facing an enemy with a lot of stuff and there's only three of them, you think the marine's going to say, oh my gosh, three and we're ten. I, I don't know if we can. Guys, you think we can do this? You think that's the way a marine does that? Ten to three? It's a, okay, you guys right here, I'll take care of this, right? Listen, when you know you're going to win, you don't have fear. When you know you've got all the power in the world behind you, who's going to stop you? Amen. We've got to change the way we think, brothers and sisters. Amen. We need to think like Jesus thinks and act like he acts. So stand firm, having put on the loins, the truth is first thing, getting ready for battle. The girdle, the belt is the key junction of all the other pieces of armor. You've got to be truth. That means you don't lie. If you're living a lie now, stop it. Fix it. Do something. Don't go in lies or deception. Don't play games. And by the way, truth includes the whole truth. It includes nothing but the truth. Don't play games with God or Satan for sure when it comes to truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate has a front and a back. You have this part up here. You have the back up there. It links into the belt and comes to cover the front and back. We call this body armor. Do you remember any problem with Body armor in Iraq when we first went over there. Bullets were going through it. Didn't like it. That doesn't help if it doesn't stop a bullet, does it? It's a big deal for our soldiers. Everybody out there wears body armor now. They have lightweight stuff and all, but it's crucial. What is righteousness? Righteousness is not what you say. Righteousness is what you do. This is how you live. It's works. It's your lifestyle. It's the reality of everything that you run into. Righteousness is visible. Righteousness is holy. We have been called to be righteous. We are saints. 
Did you know that? You and I are saints. We've been separated. We've been selected. We've been chosen. I don't feel like one. Well, praise God, he doesn't do like we feel. He's God. He says, I know you don't look like it right now, but you're a saint. And if you'll let me, I'll let you understand what that all means. Having your feet shod with the gospel, the preparation of the gospel and peace. This ain't loafers we're putting on. These are boots. They were spiked sometimes. They're armored. You know how important your feet need to be protected? Uh, in, in Vietnam, they had bungee sticks, sharpened bamboo sticks that would go. They put metal in the boots, metal everywhere they can. If you can't walk, friends, you can't go. If you can't go, you may be dead. It's important that we be mobile. It's important that we can go. And what are we to do? The preparation of the gospel of peace. What is it that gets us going? Blessed are those who's, uh, who are the feet of those who go to spread the good news. We need to be mobile. We need to be able to go in minefields. We need to be able to go everywhere. And take up, and above all, taking up the shield of faith. This is very important. This is a movable object. It's not fixed on you like the other pieces of armor. This is, those other pieces protect. You just got to put them on right and they'll protect you. This you got to use or it won't protect you. The darts are coming this direction. You're over here. Guess what? So you've got to learn how to move in faith, how to move that thing around, how to aim it. Well, how are you going to aim it? We've got to know where the darts are coming from. It's a big help if you'll do that. And you need to learn how to use it. We've got to be skilled at using the shield of faith. Take up the helmet of salvation. The most important part of our body, possibly the most vulnerable, is salvation. I had a picture sometime of people who've been saved and have no other armor walking around with a helmet on saying, I'm protected. I don't think so. What about the rest of your body? It's great to be saved. It's wonderful to be saved. It's better to be saved and alive, though, than saved and dead. If we've accepted the Lord and He's accepted us, if we've been regenerating, we're going to heaven. That's a settled issue. But you may live a few years before that happens. I prefer to live in victory, not yeah. defeat. Yeah. You know any defeated Christians? You ever run into any? It's a sad case. I've talked to some. I'm convinced they know Christ. And, and, but something's happened. They tried to go through life without the armor, and guess what? They got beat up. And they're trying to make two and two come together and make sense to them again. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Look here. This is the Word of God. Is it not? And an illustration I saw was I, I thought was a, a magnificent one time. He says, we need to be, you know, the sword, you don't just... You don't say, I got a sword. You better not touch me. <laughs> Brother, if you know how to use that sword, you're no threat. I got a Bible. But does the Bible have you? Tell me what's in it. Well, I don't know. I got it. That ain't good enough. Huh? You know? And they had this illustration. You know, you can have that much of the Bible, and I can move it around, but boy, if I was doing a sword that way, I wouldn't be real dangerous. And you can get a little more of the Bible like this and like this. But if you'll get a firm grip, grasp on it, then you can be dangerous. And someone talked about, well, it's one thing to be aware of it. It's another thing to be reading it. Another thing to meditate on it. Another thing to memorize it. Another thing to use it. What this book is in your life will determine how successful you are. Trust me. This is the Word of God. See, we're supposed to be aliens. Do you know that? Do, 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 do. You know, 
I don't want to be an alien. I wish you could have seen your pastor in Africa. He was, they, say, they talk to me and say, he ain't show. But that means he's hot. Can you believe that or is that something you can't believe? All right. He is hot in Africa. Because you turned beet red, it was hot there anyway, but, but he's hot. The Africans loved him. And he's, he's going to be invited back, I'm just telling you because I, the, the, I know how this works, to preach next uh, August. Put that on your calendar. If any of you can arrange to go, come and see what goes on in Africa, you will be blessed. Can't afford it. You can if God wants you there. You know, I've been with a lot of people that couldn't afford it. I mean, honestly, couldn't afford it, but they wound up getting the money to do it. I'm sorry Africa's further away than, than mission trips to Puerto Rico or, or Mexico or southern Oklahoma. You know, and so it's expensive. It is, but God will provide. And, and you will be blessed. And now we come down to verse 18. I'm rushing. Hang in there with me. Now that we've got the armor on, he says this. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that I that utterance may be given me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul knew who he was. He was an ambassador from the king, King Jesus. We're all ambassadors. We're called to be that. Now, when you're an ambassador, do you go tell everybody in another country what you think? Or do you tell them what your king thinks? Or the president say, well, what does he say? Well, it's all right here. So if you use this, you're on good ground. An ambassador in chains. In chains. You know, it's a terrible thing he was thrown in prison, but we might not have got this letter if he'd not been in prison. Had to do something to stay busy. And so he's writing letters back to all these churches, and in so doing, we got the Bible. How powerful is that? Are you hearing me? Being in prison is not defeat. If it's because of God you're in prison. If it's because of sin, that's another issue. But you get thrown in prison because you're standing for God also. He was. There's things in this country that get you thrown into prison. You do too much good around here, you're in trouble. It's a sorrow thing to say about my country, but it's true. In any case, he wants to be preaching. He wants to be teaching. He says, let me have, have, pray for me to do it in boldness. Now, here you are. You got the armor on, right? And we're here. Okay, Paul, what do we do now? Pray. Excuse me? Pray. I just got dressed up to stand firm and against all this stuff. What is this? Pray. Brothers and sisters, if you ever get serious praying, you'll find out why you need armor. Because that's the one thing that Satan cannot stand. When you're in direct communication with God, that whole power of the universe is released. If he can get you to not pray, you're no threat. I'll tell you this story myself when I was working to have a quiet time years and years ago. And I said, Lord, I don't understand. It's so hard to pray. I try to pray, but I just, I go to sleep or something happens. He says, don't worry about it. But, but they say in the book, you got to pray. He says, no more than you're doing for me. You pray enough. <laughs> okay, I heard that one. You know, they say there's no atheists in foxholes. You know? You go stick yourself in Satan's face in order to rescue someone, you'll find really good reason to pray. 
Let's get off of this. Isn't it great? Let's have more fun. Let's pursue happiness. Why don't we pursue Jesus? Well, that's not fun. Well, it isn't if you lose all the time. But if you learn how to win all the time, you got another thing going. Ain't nothing on television that beats winning for Jesus when you get the hang of it. Pray for who? All the saints. Pray for others. If you've got it together, brothers and sisters, if you're wearing the armor and you know how to use it, and you're pray, we'll pray for somebody else. That's where you get real victory. That's where you chalk up victory after victory after victory. It's when you pray and others are set free. You know, if I were Satan, and I wanted to get people to stop thinking about me, I would somehow see if I could create a holiday to celebrate me. You know, we get people to dress up like witches and like spiders and like scorpions and all. Oh, we have that, don't we? What do we call it? Ah, and when is Halloween? Not Sunday. I mean, Saturday or Friday, right? No, but when is the hot Sunday, isn't it? Is Satan wild or what? He has a, he's going to celebrate, we're going to celebrate Satan on the Lord's Day. Is that a great plan or what? You know, I think if I were Satan and I saw that successful, I'd create some other holidays. I'd create a holiday to, to uh, Adolf Hitler. We could all dress up like enemy soldiers, you know, and go shoot a bunch of innocent people or play like that, you know. And if that goes over good, how about a holiday to serial killers? Now, now listen, we don't celebrate Halloween in Africa. It's not funny out there. We do not call evil impotent. We do not find out how we can have fun out of evil. Pastor Dion and his associate was visiting us one time when I was pastoring in South Carolina. And we were driving over to our house. And they're looking out the window, and here's trees with uh, you know, spider webs blown into them, <coughs> skeletons hanging out over here, and witches. And they're saying, what is this? And I'm saying, oh no, they're here at Halloween. So I had to explain to them Halloween. And they looked at me and said, you got to be kidding. No, we know it's Halloween. So we get in our house, and we're sitting there. And you know, we get buzz. We open the door a little bit. Trick or treat! Pastor Bogan says, I'll take care of this. He walks down to him and says, Oh, no, Jesus, what do you say? Do you say, Pasqui Spas? Do you celebrate la descente du diable? This little kid's going, you know. And he saw the mother back there, you know, walking around with him. Pourquoi tu aimes ça? Tu as porté ton enfant, ça sera possédé. You know, he's like, Okay, Pastor, okay, Boca, Boca, Boca. It's calming down, and we got in there and tried to explain, you know, what this is all about. If you've seen people in your family killed because of Satan, you will never have respect for him. You will never be able to play games about it. You will never pursue happiness in his name. Now, we're talking about victory today. And it's important that you understand, I'm not trying to say this is all negative. It's all positive. We don't have to mess with any of the negative if we don't want to, except to confront it in victory. Hey, 
the Missouri team didn't win last night because they just said, oh, let's, this is easy, let's go do it. They worked hard. Oklahoma did almost a good game, see? Both of those teams worked hard. They, were, they worked hard. Defeating Satan may cause you to have to work hard. The point is not to work hard enough. The point is to win. That's why defeat is so bad. To work so hard and lose. We are to win. This is what Paul thinks about it. What shall I say about all these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword all of the things that Satan wants to bring into our lives? It is written, for your sake we are putting, being put to death all the day long. We're considered as sheep for the slaughter. Paul says, I accept all that because I want victory in this thing. But he says, in all these things, don't get messed up. We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You will not lose if you do it God's way. Wow. Um, there is, um, where's, where's Jody at, Jody? There's a sheet of paper over there that talks a little bit about Halloween. If you can make copies of that and have them available to whoever wants to get the information on it. What was the third point? Know the mission that you're on. I'm sorry. Okay, know the mission. Know yourself, Okay, the first one was know your enemy. I wrote that down. Know your enemy, right? And then the second one was know yourself. And the third one... Sorry, I just didn't want you to get out of here without this third one. <laughs> Is to know your mission. And I believe that you need to know who you are in order to know your mission. You're the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. You're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You're an ambassador for Christ. You're a citizen in the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are, you're made in his image. You're made in his likeness. The, the, the same victory that Jesus had, you can have. You can have that victory over anything that ever comes against you. You can stand firm, Gary. You can stand firm against those schemes or those plans or those purposes or the things that the enemy wants to come against you because that's who you are if you know Jesus Christ. Amen? And we've got to allow God to be who he is because God's going to allow you to be who he is on the earth realm. Can you get, can you get this? He wants you. He wants you to stand up and say, hey, I'm going to be able to walk in victory. See, God doesn't want us not to be able to walk in victory. He died. He shed his blood on the cross at Calvary for us to be able to walk and have a victorious life. Because the rest part of John 10.10 is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you what? Life. And life more abundantly. We want to walk in that life. We want you to be able to walk in that life. Can I get an amen? Come on, stand to your feet today. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. And I'm, what I would like to do 
Jim is, I want us to sow into 